Over the ages, our weapons have grown more sophisticated. With Gotham, we tried a new one, economics. But we underestimated certain of Gotham's citizens, such as your parents. Gunned down by one of the very people they were trying to help. Create enough hunger and everyone becomes a criminal. Their deaths galvanized the city into saving itself, and Gotham has limped on ever since. We are back to finish the job, and this time no misguided idealists will get in the way. Like your father, you lack the courage to do all that is necessary. If someone stands in the way of true justice, you simply walk up behind them and stab them in the heart. Welcome, listeners. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the Batman. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. We are talking about the Batman. <sighs> I mean, we're talking about also, we'll talk about comic book movies in general, I guess, and the influence that radiates all throughout like popular culture at the moment with comic book movies. But we're going to start by talking about the new... Batman we're going to take some tangents out. off of off of Batman as yeah we're going to take plenty of tangents off of Batman but Batman is the primary topic today. Yes. Yes. Um and actually so here's the thing. Micah you've talked about this before on Sound Only that you actually you in the comics and you're certainly into comic book movies but you you know you can speak to comics as a culture. <laughs> Is that correct? I can speak to comics as a culture. I mean, yes, somewhat. I can speak to comics as a culture, in that I it is a it is a culture that I participate in. Yes, and it's very much a culture I don't participate in. And this sort of came up, um, you know, a few episodes back. We talked about uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, and that that's like a topic where you and I. I think the broader thing we're obviously talking about was animation, and animation is a broader topic. Is a thing that you and I both have like a lot of thoughts and opinions about, but we have different perspectives in terms of like, you know, the things that we have as our sort of essential reference points for talking about animation. Sure. So like that, that was an episode where I came in and I was like, I specifically wanted to talk from the perspective of the person 
on this podcast who is not into Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> and then you speak from the perspective of someone who is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's going to be a similar dynamic today where I am a person who I am... Um, I don't fuck with the comic book shit that much. I'm, I will be real with you. <laughs> like, I don't even watch that much. Like, I have not watched any of the Iron Man movies, for instance. But then I have watched Black Panther, right? Mm-hmm. I actually have watched Batman v Superman and I actually think that movie is better than any critic sort of gave it credit for. And wow. I, yeah. Ha! Okay. All right. Uh, I started um, watching The Boys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I sort of, I dabble... I dabble as frequently as like a sensible person person would would dabble into comic book stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the most I've ever felt invested was like strangely like Jessica Jones and Daredevil, the, the TV. Oh, adaptations oh of you those. mean like the, the the suite of Marvel Netflix shows? Yeah, you were yeah. into like watching those. I was you... not into Luke Cage. I was very much into. Well, Daredevil yeah, because Jones. I mean, like he like stomped around Harlem and you know his lug boots, saying "What about black on black crime?" for seven episodes, and then it was yeah. like it was yeah, like Luke Cage was unfortunate, right? But you know, again, this will be. I feel like you and I are going to have different sort of things that we can speak on. And I think this is I think this is valuable. I think it's valuable for you and I to sometimes be like, yo, you explain this to me. And Mm -hmm. one thing I think of in sort of why I think critically this is valuable, this sort of like disparity between us sometimes that I want us to sort of base episodes around. I think of the 1993 novel, The Giver. And I'm going to read what? to you. <laughs> I'm going to read to you. you know, I'm I cannot read to- believe. Wow. Um, I'm going to read. Honestly, the, first- the giver has come up twice in the last four days for me. And I mean, like, you know, this is, it must be a sign. All right, come on. Let's, 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 let's. No, get no, I'm going to read the first few sentences of the Wikipedia article for the giver. Cause I think they contain a lot of sort of ideas about this podcast. <laughs> Okay. Okay. You ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. The Giver is a 1993 American young adult dystopian novel by Lois Lowry. It is set in a society. We live in a society. It is set in a society which at first appears to be utopian, but it is revealed to be dystopian as the story progresses. The novel follows a 12-year-old boy named Jonas. The society has taken away pain and strife by converting to sameness, a plan that has also eradicated emotional depth from their lives. Jonas is selected. Jonas is selected to inherit the position of receiver of memory, the person who stores all the past memories of the time before sameness, as there may be times where one must draw Upon the wisdom gained from history to aid the community's decision making. I'm not saying that I'm Jonas. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I'm so, just saying that it's helpful sometimes to have a no, person you're, you're, who is not Jeff, bought into the in the Marvel industrial complex. You're, in you're Jeff Bridges and like you're you're Jeff Bridges in this in, in, the, in the in the film <laughs> adaptation. That's who you are. That's but yes, I mean, like it is. I I take your point. And yes, although that was a needlessly dramatic and no, it wasn't. way of going about it. I no, take it wasn't. Yeah, well, okay, all right, yeah. But yes, absolutely. It, it it is important that we you know that you have 
your things that you are knowledgeable about, and I have my things that we're knowledgeable about, and we pull them together. I and say we come all of this. somewhere in the what what. I say all of this, Micah, because the way we even landed upon talking about the Batman this week is I think we were texting about something and you started talking about photos from the set of the filming of the Batman and you started talking about them like I had obviously seen them. You know what I mean? Like I just well, obviously yes. am with the shit and I've just seen yeah. all the photos. Well, I mean the thing is is that like let's let's to provide some more context. You always text me like I know what you're talking about. So I'm Hell like yeah. so so let me just let, so so yes, I did return the favor by texting you a picture of Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, uh John Turturro and Colin Farrell on set. Um, you know, and the thing is that like set photos are just nobody looks great. It's like, you know, it's it's outside the context Halloween of the movie. Party. There's no music, there's no framing, there's you know, the lighting, there's not any of the you know, the director of photography hasn't touched it yet. So it's it's you know, it's it's unflattering. But these looked it looked particularly bad. It was really Colin Farrell's makeup because he's supposed to be playing the penguin. And it is just so much latex on his face. And it's like, you know, the first, did you watch the first trailer for the Batman? Yes, I did. I think it's fire. You also haven't mentioned the most important actor in the Batman, Jeffrey Wright. Who's also, (laughs) they finally brought back to the Bond movies after just sidelining him for no reason. Well, yeah. Go ahead. I, mean, I like, saw the he trailer. Was, he was he was too smooth to be Felix Leiter, I guess, or, or something. I don't know. What was the reasoning? About, you know what? Never I, mind. He just I'm getting off track. Westworld. But Blame Westworld. What what I'm saying is that Matt Reeves, who uh, has you know produced slash directed a few other things, like all the new pla- the new trilogy, the Planet of the Apes movies, um, several seasons of Felicity. Uh, I, I, I can't remember what else there was, but, um, you know, it's another popular filmmaker getting to touch the Batman franchise and maybe do something weird with it. Uh, Robert Pattinson was wearing eyeliner in the first one, you know, like the Batmobile looks amazing. It's like a very good trailer, but then like I was, and then I saw the picture of Zoe Kravitz walking out of like, I don't know, the, the, the Gotham PD or like the Gotham courthouse in like a calf log trench and like these boots and the wig just looked bad. And it was like, are we doing the Lars von Trier makes a superhero movie thing? Are we doing the B camp movie thing? Or are we doing like the big budget action movie thing? And what I asked you was specifically... Do you think it's too high of a budget to do the weird Lars von Trier thing that Reeves seems like he wants to do? Or is this a case of everyone failing to suppress their artsiness enough to make a decent, dumb action movie? I I understand the question, but I think when you sent me this message, I was caught off guard by the palpable distress and disappointment in your voice based on seeing the set photos. Because the trailer still fire. It's a reflex. It's a reflex, though. It's it's like, a, it's a, I mean, what our discussion became was about, like, the whole superhero film industrial complex where, by entire discussions, are launched off of a single set photo. But 
I still have my reservations. <laughs> Here's my thing. Here's my observation. As somebody who also didn't see Joker. Don't at me about it. I didn't watch Joker either. Um, what Batman movie are we on at this point? <laughs> I feel like I can't take any more Batman movies. What what do we what is this? What are we doing? Well, I mean, like this was okay. So following Shoemaker's 97 Batman and Robin like disaster, there was the Christopher Nolan trilogy from yes. 2005 yes. to 2008, nine. I can't remember when, when uh, the Dark Knight Rises exactly came out, but then there was Batman versus Superman. Uh, ben Affleck, Joss Whedon comes in to make Batman mm-hmm. sort of funny and colorful, and it doesn't actually work out. Which it's brings fine. us up to this point. Which brings us up to this point. And I think we're doing like you know the dark paranoid, you know crypto fascist surveillance state thing again, possibly. Right. Well, it's funny because you said Joel Shoemaker and I, I, you know, it's funny because like, even when you said that name, I had a flashback, like you were referring to like Old Testament verses as opposed to New (laughs) Testament verses. Like that's sort of, that's sort of what I'm getting at when I, when I complain about Batman movies, for instance, right? The fact that there's, there's like really thin carbon dating with these movies at this point. It feels Mm -hmm. like... Bat v. Soups was not that long ago. It feels like there's no Batman property that feels... Here's the thing. I know that there have been rounds and rounds of discourse. We're going to go deeper than that discourse has ever gone. But I I don't... Have, like, Neil Gorsuch and them ruled on whether I'm still allowed to complain about there being too many Batman movies or comic book movies? Like, what is the settled discourse so far? What is the precedent that we're starting from in terms of comic book discourse and conventional wisdom about whether there are too many of these movies released too frequently. Cause that's my sort of observation. My polite observation about the Batman is that dog, does the Batman not take vacations? Does he not? Can the Batman go to law school for a bit to medical school and maybe for like a decade we take a break from the Batman? I mean, you know, the the line of criticism on that is that you would like to not be Spider-Man or Batman in that regard, where it's just kind of like, you're damn, you're you're here again? It's like two years ago. We just were talking about you. And there's another one. I, I think that it's, you know, kind of reached. Uh, a point of saturation where it's like more or less that it's difficult to do new and different things with uh, these franchises because there are so many of the movies like uh, we've had every conceivable version of Spider-Man and like of Batman at this point. But then that's my, so that's what when you first sent me a text message being like, look at these set photos. Uh, I was sort of like, OK. There's part of this that feels like it's sort of a response to the particular development of this movie, which is also, you know, the Batman, right, has been messed up by COVID stuff, right? Like they were filming, they shut down, Pattinson, yeah. COVID himself. Mm-hmm. That's all correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's been kind of like a troubled production. Then the trailer was popping. So I think part of it is like a particular response to this movie. But then part of it was like, well, I wonder if Mike is finally joining me on the dark side here of like, nah. I can't take these movies anymore. 
Do you think there's some degree of that at play in your cynicism about the Batman? Ultimately, yes, uh, because I don't know if you it's just that in like the same way that, you know, you join Twitter in 2009 and suddenly in 2020, you're a communist. Like it's like it's difficult to watch like new Batman movies and see him beating up on like 17 year olds that just need some guidance, you know? Yo, like can you talk about this moment in the trailer where the he moment beats the in the trailer <laughs> where Robert Pattinson beats the brakes off of this one, t- this one kid that just has some, you know, his hair is spiky and he's got some eyeliner, you know, he's going through some things. He's figuring some things out about himself, you know, Walking around in the dark, pounding out, trying to find the light switch and whatnot. And instead, he finds Robert Pattinson's fist several times over in front of his friends, like stomped out within an inch of his life. And then there's like a really like long lingering shot of like the homies in the background just a lone tear rolls down his cheek. <laughs> <laughs> one of them's holding the phone though. One of them has the, the camera, the smartphone up. He's just filming it. I, and, it's... Uh, <laughs> And the thing is, like, you know how sound design works in Batman movies. So it's not like if Spider-Man did this. It's like Batman sounds like he's punching he's, it like looks a cow. Like he's got like, uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it actually sounds like he's just in a meat locker, like, you know, taking a sledgehammer to frozen cuts. It's like but it's, a, it's, it's a child. Yeah. Instead, it's instead it's an, it's an at risk youth, you know, and I I'd like, you know, I'm just like, oh, this man. You know, it, it, it's like I, I am too aware in, you know, at my big age of Batman being a tax audit away from being like a local sheriff, basically. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, that said, I want to sort of meet the culture halfway here. I know people like comic book movies. I do? I do too. And the thing yeah. is that like I as much as even though I said that, I absolutely if I could go see the movie, I would pay the I would like I would drop 20 bucks to go to the Cineplex up the street and watch it tomorrow if it was if it that was, you know, within the realm of possibility. How about this? Instead of, you know, we we don't have to talk about like why are there so many comic book movies. What I really want to sort of walk through is sort of um I think there is a moment, there's a sort of switch where comic book movies went from being a thing that felt like they were ubiquitous and like all powerful at movie theaters to feeling like they have bled into everything else, like all the other mediums, except for maybe music, right? Like they've bled into all of TV in a weird Mm. way. And I would argue they've even bled into video games, like this sort of serialization. It's not just, it's not like comic books invented serialization, certainly not like comic book movies invented serialization. But a lot of things, I don't know, a lot of things that don't have anything to do with Hollywood movies feel like they're trying to be like comic book temple properties. And I think it would be interesting to talk through sort of what that looks like in like pop culture right now, because it looks weird as shit to me, to be honest. And why do you want to kill me? (laughs) I don't want to kill you. I'm just going to hurt you. Really, really bad. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 
miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. So would you say that like, you know, would you speak of the comic book singularity and like, yeah. or, or more or less how like, you know, these comic book movies have seeped into other parts of culture. Are you speaking to how many pieces of cultural ephemera seem like they exist solely to set up other pieces of cultural ephemera? Or is it like, you know, are you, do you have like specific instances in mind where like, I'm thinking about maybe in video game in, in, in like, in terms of video games, like God of War was one of the best games I've played in the last five years, but like the game ends before you get to fight. Like, I mean, like you spend the game running around with Balder, like one of the, like the lesser of, of the Norse gods. And like, you're supposed to be like, Ragnarok is, is Ragnarok is closing in and you're supposed to be fighting Thor when the game ends. And then like there's a sequence that says like you know Thor beams down from the ground there's lightning everywhere then his cape you know swishes dramatically to the side and there's his there's his hammer and then the game is over like you know coming soon. And it's just like, "Well, fuck. I want to fight the God of Thunder now." Like I I I don't want to you know, I've spent this entire game you know reconciling with my son and chasing around this dude with weird tattoos that can't feel pain you know it's like you describe that and i know exactly what you're talking about and yet i also go man are people gonna think we're we're saying that you know hyper serialized rebooted comic book movies invented cliffhangers right and it's something more specific than that there is an essence it doesn't and it, it, it's an essence that's frankly shared between you know, whether you're talking about a Marvel comic book movie or a DC comic book movie. And I think a lot about, did you ever play Apex Legends? I never played Apex Legends, no. So a Apex Legends, Battle Royale game, sort of like, it's the Battle Royale game that sort of came in after Fortnite to become the sort of big pop-in Battle Royale game. 
Uh, so it was after Fortnite, but before Player Unknown Battlegrounds, or like at the no, same no, no, time? No, play, like, no, 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 no. It's like it's sort of after the peak of Fortnite. Apex okay. Legends really starts to have its sort of user base spike. Okay. Um, and Fortnite's still popping, and Apex is still popping. But I'm just in terms of you know peaking in uh, sort of critical concern. I remember mm-hmm. playing Apex Legends, and I remember the first few times. I logged into that game, was sort of trying to get a feel for it. I kept feeling like the Apex Legends sort of has a different vibe to it. Fortnite feels very cartoony, but none of the characters speak. It's, you know, the dances and stuff like that. Apex Legends has more of a like um, the world. The world feels more like a comic book movie. Like the guns have more detail in that game. And the sort of costuming feels more heroic and specifically, there are like voice quips in in Apex Legends, right? Like the, the characters speak and they have sort of like catchphrases, taglines, stuff like that. They say when you do particular actions while you're running around the map and all of the quippiness, for some reason, I would I would just spend time like running around the map in Apex Legends and I could just tell it was just the essence of comic book movies is dripping all over that game and whenever those characters like say their quips or whatever, I was just like, this thing wants to be a Joss Whedon movie so bad. It, and you know what I mean? That's sort of what I mean when I talk about the ubiquity of comic book movies outside of just saying like, oh, something wants to be as big as Avengers or saying that like, or, or seeming to insist that comic book movies invented you know dramatic conventions that they didn't invent i think there's a more specific essence well the the essence like feels like to me as though it is like a buddy cop comedy with it's like a buddy cop comedy but it's like a team of people instead of there only being two people like it's it is the same tenor speed. Uh, the characters are rendered in similar ways, like to buddy cop comedies, but it's like a football team of people. <laughs> That's what yeah. superhero movies are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that, at least that's what I would that's what I would say the essence of like Avengers is. And what like that's like what Joss Whedon, who, you know, like the Avengers movies are his children, uh, and he came into you know, work on uh, the Justice League movie when DC was just kind of like, all right, we need to, like, are we going to be serious? Are we trying to have fun? We don't really know what it is. We're going to bring in Joss Whedon to smooth out the script. And it was just kind of like the tenor was like all over the place. Like it was thunderstorms all the time, but Batman is cracking jokes. And like, it's it was, you know, all over the place, which is why I think that you know, that series of movies was bad. Um, I know that you don't really share that opinion, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, like the quippiness is the point, I guess. Yeah. And I even think that like, if you, if you take, um, you know, a serialized sort of dead horse thing in movie theaters, that isn't even a comic book movie that nonetheless feels like it's very much been sort of touched by the comic book singularity i think of star wars right like it's sort of um you know i think we take for granted just because the star wars prequels are sort of infamously bad and the you know the star wars sequels sort of go in their infamous direction and i think it's taken for granted that 
the original Star Wars movies, forget like what, you know, how much you like them, forget how much you do or don't like, you know, the new movies, right? It's I'm just talking about the qualities and essence of what you're watching when you watch the original Star Wars movies versus what you're watching when you're watching the prequels versus the sort of there are so many decisions in like the new Star Wars movies that I think just would not be made, frankly, if it had not been for like 20 years of comic book movies that come before those movies get made. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, give me an example. A lot of the character, I don't know. It's like all of the all of the character dynamics, right? Like the fact that in the 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 Force Awakens. It feels like, or even, you know, through to The Last Jedi and sort of the weird lack of direction for what they wanted to do with the Rey character in that movie, right? It feels like they started with the idea of fanfic and tried to work toward character development rather than starting with character development that inspired people to write fanfic. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, like, that is, that's the thing about The Last Jedi that, and I mean, honestly, about J.J. Abrams, like The Force Awakens also feels that way. The same way when he was like directing Star Trek is that it 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 has the feel of somebody who grew up watching this and gets to play with the toys now, you know, rather than, say, for instance, like and in, in Christopher Nolan is obviously not like the the only popular filmmaker to have ever done this, but it's like he didn't come to Warner Brothers with like I am going to sell mad Batman action figures he was just like I actually want to deconstruct the Batman character and you know maybe consider the question of whether we might be better off without him and it's driven by uncertainty and like character development and all these other things that like seem ad hoc I guess in uh, the 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 later trilogy of like Star Wars movies, or I I mean like I know what the quality you're talking about is that like this is we will add on all of the like the deep personal effects after we have really gotten into the character models and what we're gonna you know sell to the toy companies or yeah, which is like I don't want to overstate the degree to which. The original Star Wars movies were made with the toy companies in mind, right? Yeah, sure. But it's also like, um, you know, it it, all, it feels like a scale problem, right? Like if you take any of these franchises in a vacuum, you take just just take Batman, even with the sheer number of Batman movies that, um, like you know, people right now are arguing about, you know, sixteen, nineteen, seventeen, seventy six. When was America truly founded? What will be America's legacy? You know what America's legacy will be. It will be the Batman movies. Do you know how many Batman movies America has produced? It will be the Batman movies. That when the aliens come, they will unearth the Batman movies and they will have a full picture. They will have a full account of what we were up to. But I say this to say that like if you just take those movies in a vacuum, like I like them. I haven't seen Joker. I saw Batman v Superman. I saw all the Nolan ones. I've seen all the old ones. I didn't watch uh Justice League. Um you know, I like the idea of taking a comic book thing, right? Or just some, you know, some like relatively youthful like comic book concept and saying, yeah, let's just play around with this every few years, right? I think the thing that makes it feel kind of interesting, I think the first thing that made it feel interesting is that 
movies in general just decided, what if we did this with every comic book character who's ever been written simultaneously? That's when I think film critics started to say, can we, what is this? Like, maybe we should slow down a bit. I didn't care about that because I'm not a film critic. But then I think, then it spilled somehow beyond that, right? And it went to, how can we make TV shows that have a take on comic book characters? And how can we make sort of, and again, there are always spinoffs to things, but it, it increasingly feels in a very fascinating way like every corner of popular culture is being surveyed for its take on this particular like dramatic convention. And that's weird. Like that feels kind of like an unprecedented thing. It feels like monoculture, dare I say. Oh, you mean the thing that's extinct? Um, yeah. That's what it feels like to me. And again, it's like weird because I don't mean... That, like, I remember I was already one of those people who was like, man, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to catch up to all these movies. Like, again, I hadn't seen the Iron Man movie. So when, when like Luke Cage and Jessica Jones came out, for instance, right? I was like, this is another thing that's not for me. But then I got super into Jessica Jones. I got super into Daredevil, right? And maybe that's a sign that like, Part of the point of this project is that there is something, there is a little something for everyone in this project, even if you're not the kind of person who wants to go see every single entry in every single one of these properties, you know? Yeah. I think that really the, the overarching gripes that you and I have are more about like the mainline titles, like the big marquee stuff that leads the summer every summer or yeah. you know because i mean like to be honest it's still good to have the, like because i mean luke cage and jessica jones are minor characters like if you give that to give that to a director and they can kind of do whatever they want with it because there's some of marvel's lesser properties like they don't sell as much as batman or superman or or spider-man or whomever because people on average over time have not found those characters as relatable so you can do weird things with them you can do weird stuff with Blade because, uh, you know, like people don't pick up Blade comics really or hadn't, you know, like the average person, like I would not, as a kid, it was not possible for me to walk into, you know, the, the comic book store. Well, I, you know, you could walk into the comic book store and find Blade, but I mean like, you know, like not Books a Million or Barnes and Noble and the magazine section where all the other comics are at or so on and so forth. It's not one of the wider circulated characters. So you can do weird stuff with it. And that stuff still, that's the, those are the things that I think that you and I both appreciate still about superhero projects. And that's what I wanted the new Batman movie to be is like, even if you just look at the styling of the, of, of, uh, of the Batman character from the first trailer, like the way that the helmet is shaped, the way the chest plates are, the way that, you know, the shape of the carbon plates are cut or whatever, it looks like the Daredevil character. It looks sort of like, it also looks a lot like uh, Paul Pope's Batman Year 100, which I I also like as like an adaptation of the Batman story. It's a comic that's basically set 100 years in the future where it's in the middle of, I mean, like it's in the, like a, extreme surveillance state where there are no undocumented people. The government knows who everybody is, what everybody looks like. There's holographic caller ID. 
And Batman's only superpower really is that no one knows who he is. And he lives in a series of like, you know, slummy apartments throughout the city. And Oracle is uh, this teenage girl from an abusive home. And Robin is a mechanic that, you know, wears a hoop earring. It's like a very, and he wears ceramic bat teeth, you know, so that people can't tell who he is. And at one point he blows up uh, an entire forensics lab to obscure a single blood sample. Like I want weird shit like that in Batman movies because it's just like in the same way that the only real Superman movie you can make right now and, you know, have it be interesting or new or fresh in any way is a movie where, you know, Superman spends most of his time as Clark Kent. Uh, like, cause that's more or less like the only thing that hasn't been done. Like, there's not many things to do with Batman except make him weirder. <laughs> Having a director like Matt Reeves, who, you know, brought you such hits as Apes Together Strong, you know, you're expecting maybe... And, and I mean, like, honestly, with a cast like Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz and Colin Farrell... And the all-star team of weird acting choices, like of like, you know, that wasn't in the script. You put that accent in there of your own volition type actors. You expect it to be sort of left of center and not in the cookie cutter way. Like, uh, I, I don't know. It's just like, I, I'm thinking that this is going to be on the order of that, of the Batman movie where Michelle Pfeiffer was Catwoman and, uh, the penguin was literally the Michelin man. Uh, I can't remember which one that was. I just think of it though, is cause I, I take what you're saying. And I do think that there are interesting takes certainly with like tertiary characters that I've watched. And yeah, I feel bad right sort of having to i don't know there's something that feels overloaded about the expectations that one has to carry around with oneself about these movies after a point right it feels like um it it feels like we've turned like batman movies into shakespeare productions right like every director and actor you sort of like, ah, what is Lars von Trier's take on the killing joke arc? And you know what I mean? It's like, are we doing well, because, this with every director and actor well, for the rest of human civilization? Well, yeah, because I mean, it is like, it's the same. Either we are going to get, because people are never going to suddenly start hating money. We are either going to get yeah. infinite numbers of these movies and iterations on the same number of stories with different authors takes i mean different directors takes on how they read those comments as children or we are going to get different arcs of the same character's story ad infinitum like and see, I you say that you say that with this sense of fate accompli that i that's the thing i think is notable right because your point about people are never going to you know stop hating money like lots of things it feels like in terms of um, let's say the sort of most commercially popular strains of any particular medium of entertainment, right? You can think of a given year of rap music or movie making or whatever. In other cases, let's set comic book movies aside for a second and go, oh, remember when this was like a popular thing, when this particular kind of hit single was popular or this particular style of big movie was popular. And 
you know, in so much as you could get tired of or be like, oh, this isn't for me, you'd maybe talking about a like three to five year run of like a trend. And I think the thing that has become legit fascinating about the comic book movies is that we're we're beyond the point of calling them a trend. We're beyond the point of being like, oh, well, they get made and they make money because they're in. They are the they are the only language for left. <laughs> for several years now, we have been calling them an industry. It is like its own thing. Um, yeah. with That's its own language thing. and rules. It, yeah. That like that it, I think that yeah. It's like the question isn't like whether or not the actual important or interesting question is not whether or what Matt Reeves will do with the Batman movie, but like why we expect there to be a new Batman movie in the first place. It's one thing to complain about critical exhaustion, but I think there's a specific phenomenon. And I think there are a couple of other things beyond comic book movies we can use to talk about it. It's the specific phenomenon of when something in entertainment feels like it goes from being a trend to being being a house guest that you realize slowly is never going to leave. Spider-Man has become that house. The Batman has become that house guest. But there are other examples beyond the scope of comic book movies. That's a lovely, lovely voice. Mike, it approves that this episode is not just about like me being an asshole hater who just has some sort of unwarranted vendetta against comic book movies and the fan of such movies. Uh, an artist who I think about a lot in the context of, I think, what this conversation is really about. Let's just talk about him. Drake. Drake. <laughs> Drake is like an interesting figure. Drake is a sort of Batman, if you think about him. Wow. And Drake, to me, represents... Are we talking about, are we talking about like, you know, the Batman from The Dark Knight Rises at this stage of his career? I mean, where he's like, you know, this is like suspiciously a lot like Howard Hughes becoming more of a reclusional shut-in, pissing in bottles and long fingernails and don't touch my mother's pearls... Anne Hathaway type of character? Probably, because it's sort of like, especially after Drake went through the full, the whole phase where he got swole and so suddenly developed the jawline. You know what I mean? Like that, <laughs> he had he was sort of built like Batman anyway. You know? You get what I mean. He was built like that sort of phase of Batman. And, you know, well, yeah. Like, well, he was he was built, well, actually, he was built more like, that's, no, that's not like, because that's not, the era that you're referring to is... Batman Begins era Batman who was like built like a bear or like you know like he just had like like it just looked like he took mad creatine before the shooting started (laughs) 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 Um, but Drake is someone that actually helps me understand a lot of the sort of waves of exhaustion and angst about comic book movies that that have come and gone right with the yeah, because I mean, like Drake is like Batman is like Spider Man is like Please Don't Kill Me. A Beyonce visual album is like a Judd Apatow movie, which is that you know what you're getting and it's going to be happening without you, whether you participate or not. Well, that okay, that part of it is true, but it's also um, like all the things you just mentioned. 
that becomes true for a distressingly long period of time, right? Like there was a, there was a sort of transition in the career of Drake. Listeners who know the career of Drake and who who among our listeners does not know Drake and not know that he has been like God. Drake's been popular since what two thousand eight, right? Thereabouts. Yeah, he kind of fell off in recent years, thank God. But like there, you know, it's sort of Drake. To me, the the distinct feature of Drake, right, in terms of being you know, achieving that status of being like the biggest rapper in the world. The thing about Drake is that um, Drake's power wasn't his ability to become super successful, but it was rather his power to stick around and to go through a lot of different phases of being the biggest rapper in the world, you know? And so Drake, especially because he has such a cloying, specific, hyper-millennial personality, sort of criticism about Drake went from being about whether you whether you like Drake or not to being about just the fact that if you don't like Drake get over it because he's literally going to be like popular until either you or he are dead you know what I mean yeah um and like that transition was always the most fascinating thing to me about writing about Drake although it also made me not want to write about Drake right is the sense in which it's one thing when you're dealing with like, um, you know, a rapper who at some point in their career has like a moment where they're the biggest shit out and you sort of have to reckon with them as like this ubiquitous thing in the moment versus someone like Drake who like, again, Drake is like that, that kind of house guest who he showed up and became, he was like operating at level A and then you just sort of, if you didn't like Drake music, you had a bad solid decade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially yeah. if you were a rap critic and didn't like Drake, you basically had like a decade that you just sort of have to block out because just you couldn't get people to shut the fuck up about Drake music. Yeah. I mean, uh, yes, the par- the parallel is absolutely there. Because I mean, like, if you didn't like superhero movies for the last 12 years, you've, you've probably been slowly dying from a case of hate poisoning. Hell yeah. Um... Because yeah, I, like it is like the dominant mode of movie making at the box at the box office, which is like why I think that we both like Jeremy Gordon's uh, blog post on the outline. What was it? Like it was called "Let People Talk Shit in Peace." Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was about like, was Martin Jeremy. Scorsese just being like superhero movies are not cinema. And I mean, you can know, you yeah, can you explain the interview? Explain the Martin Scorsese interview. We've referenced it before, but it's sort of sure. Like- so. Martin Scorsese was doing the press tour for what was that interminable? The Irishman. Movie. I, it was I, like I when did the Irishman? Yeah, the Irishman. Oh, I never Irishman it. slaps. I watched it. Uh, I mean, cool. You know, cool. But like during the press tour, he was just like, I, I, I can't remember what movie was also what superhero. It, it was, was Joker. A superhero. Oh, it was Joker. Yeah, that's it right. It was Joker. It was Joker. And you there was like know Oscar how I got buzz this. around it. And like Martin Scorsese is just like, <sighs> I mean, like, are you serious? Like, I mean, superhero movies are not cinema. And, you know, I like, okay, superhero movies are not cinema is a factually may be a factually incorrect statement. Superhero movies are not cinema or like not like the the, the high <laughs> art version of films is fair. Like, I mean, but there was so much nitpicking about like how you can't like, you know, 
superhero movies have these like deep emotional arcs and like this, um, you know, patient and painstaking character development. And in Iron Man three, Tony Stark has a drinking problem and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, shut up. Like, I mean, like the, like the, the shit is very thin for a reason. Superhero movies are dumb. Like they aren't, uh, you know, cinema, so to speak. And that's why you like them. Like, it's not like you want them to be all this, like this, this, this high minded concept stuff. It's like, take one, take one iteration of it and just like do it until the movie is over for a, for, for an hour and 45 minutes. Just like, you know, iterate on your idea of whatever that character is. And, you know, at some point link it back to the franchise. But even then, you know what? Even if Iron Man 3, you know, is deep or whatever, like the point is you don't have to then watch some version of Iron Man 3 for the next 40 years of your life. It's also like it was it's a very dumb discussion because it really doesn't matter whether superhero movies are cinema or not. They still make money like it's such a it was just like the, the it was just such a please like my sport like tone to the conversation about it where it's just like you have to respect superhero movies because they make this much money and because they try these things it's like no you don't you don't have to respect superhero movies because they're gonna make money regardless totally you know who did this it's funny because i brought a theory regarding 50 cent up on a previous episode i don't even remember what the context for the oh you know what it was it was we were talking about tory lanes and megan the stallion and I was talking about how I low-key blame 50 Cent for the sort of not just trivialization, but sort of gleeful trivialization of like real street shit, like real street violence. And I want to go now and, you know, in true superhero movie fashion, unleash the sequel to my theory about 50 Cent, which is that he's also to blame for this wow. <laughs> the bullshit sense right that uh, the idea of like fans trotting out the idea that like i can prove that this thing is commercially successful therefore it's interesting enough for us to talk about like suicide squad for the next 40 years at the expense of basically anything else operating at the same sort of commercial intensity and critical ubiquity like that's some 50 Cent shit. That is what 50 Cent did to hip hop. And now now the Disney Corporation and DC are doing it to us, to everyone else. <laughs> like, waving your album sales in my face and telling me that, ergo, like, <laughs> this shit slaps. No, it doesn't. I, I too, mean, am America. <laughs> this is 50 Cent's fault. No, but seriously, like, that is the attitude. Like, that's sort of... I think fan culture is like this thing, right? That feels super, certainly in the age of social media, it feels super powerful. It feels like there are lots of fan campaigns about things. It feels like certainly the, man, the sort of commercial supremacy of stuff like comic book culture makes fan culture feel like it's this thing to be reckoned with critically, right? And I think a lot of dynamics of fan culture are interesting. I think lots of subcultures are interesting. I nonetheless feel this sense that even if I like any given Batman, I like the fucking Dark Knight Rises more than more than people seem to like it. You know what I mean? Like I'm receptive to these movies, but I, I feel so sort of like out of step because I tend to watch superhero movies, right? I tend to watch them 
piecemeal, right? And it, it just feels like that's how you're supposed to watch movies. Like I, sometimes I'll be like, yeah, this year I'm gonna watch Black Panther. Oh yeah, Bat. You know the Batman. I like that he has the weird eyeshadow. Like I'm. You know what? Let's do it. Let's watch this. The thing I just can. I, I feel like I can't keep pace with is the idea of sort of like watching this stuff at the same pace that one's aunt once watched General Hospital. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't, you want me to watch every episode of this shit to understand what any of you people are talking about on the internet at any given time? I need to watch like seven Iron Man movies. I need to, y'all got me needing to know who Groot is to carry on a conversation in America. Abraham Lincoln didn't die for this. <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah, well, you know... And Drake, not even American. So this is not... My, for all the gripes that I had about, like, you know, or the trepidations I may have about the one set photo from the Batman that sparked this entire discussion, at the very least, you'll be able to drop in on it and watch it and probably, you know, know what's going on. It, it, it adheres to your piecemeal, like, uh, mode of watching superhero movies. I'll at least tell you that. No, because they're just going to make a cliffhanger and a sequel and then it's going to be a Paul Dano spinoff film and then it's going to be... <laughs> and I actually watch those because, you know... No, you know what they'll do? And you know what? And this is how they'll get me. This is how to fucking get me back into the discourse is they make a Paul Dano spinoff Netflix series, TV series. And that's the thing. The TV stuff, I can watch that. <laughs> you get drunk and watch a Netflix series, it's nothing. It's nothing to stunt. Put it out after Thanksgiving, I'll watch it. Y'all not about to give me COVID, though, to go watch Iron Man 6. Please don't do this. <laughs> Y'all gonna have Dale Radcliffe replace Tony, you know, what's his name? Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> what, I'm talking Wait, about you, what are you talking about? You had Daniel Radcliffe playing Tony Robert Downey Jr. Like, yeah, that's not even like... I do understand that, though. That's an easy slip-up debate because Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark at this point. They have merged into the same person. <laughs> but as per usual you're talking out your ass you're gonna watch the batman and you're gonna enjoy it probably same as me i'm gonna enjoy it more than you will enjoy it despite you, to you in too deep like makai fife we need to end this episode man <laughs> <laughs> i'm justin charity and i'm micah peters we'll holla at y'all next week about some other bullshit i don't know what we'll talk about but you know, in the meantime, uh, as as per usual, you can you can reach us at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Talk to us nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you always do that. So, you know. Wait, it's, okay. This week, I like to give people prompts for the email address. This week, if you write in, can you please explain to me your thoughts specifically about The Dark Knight Rises, which is a movie that everybody seems to like make fun of and hate. And I don't really get why because I think it's pretty good. I've never really understood the argument that that movie is not good. People sort of treat it like the return of the Jedi of the Nolan trilogy, and I don't get it. I don't get it. I think it's pretty good. Explain yourselves. Till next week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.